Hello and welcome to CHN Radio, episode 49. I'm your host, Greg Troxel. You can find me at NUFC underscore Greg. Um, and we have a jam-packed show for you. Um, but before we get all into it, we're going to get some club news. We're going to preview our match against the Fighting Cherries. Um, and then I want you to, to follow a few people. One being our podcast account at CHN underscore radio. One being our SB Nation site at Coming Home NUFC, and then this man, Elijah Looney Tunesome. Elijah Tunesome. Oh my gosh. Elijah. Oh God. Charcoal Grill. Drinking Brewsome. Oh. Elijah Movie Theater. Uh, some. <laughs> okay. Elijah. I didn't Newsom. know where you were going with movie theater. I yeah, was I was like, like wait, how can I tie that this... in? This could go south real quick. <laughs> so, um, follow him at. Oh, I guess. Am I supposed to say my Twitter then? <laughs> yeah, go. Oh, Elijah underscore Newsom. <laughs> so, I was going to. Something I wanted to bring up with you. So, we are the, the true. The true black and white podcast for Newcastle United. Mm. Now, there is, a, there is an issue that I'd like to bring to the table. You know, every once in a while we've had we've had our qualms with the Chronicle, but we understand some of the issues that they have. What is this with them getting the new Twitter account? Everything is black and white podcast. Well, that is the name of their podcast. Yeah, but they can't call it that with us around. That's true. Because every, everything's very white for them. Oh, we'll shoot a DM to Lee. Hey, yeah. The everything is black and white podcast. Come on. If Guys. if we ever get if we ever get any of the Chronicle staff on this pod, that's the first question. Hey, yeah. are you aware you guys aren't the true black and white podcast? We we Just are throwing that out there. We're <laughs> we literally black and white. <laughs> yeah. So that's just something I wanted to mention before we really get rolling here. It's fair. Fair concern yeah. that I have. You good? You yes, agree? I agree. I love it. Yeah. Another thing, you gentle, kind, beautiful listeners. We have some beautiful things coming up for you. Okay. You know, it's international break time, so some different things are going to happen. We're going to have some pretty cool interviews with some pretty cool people that don't live in Newcastle that support the team. And we have a pretty cool interview with a pretty per- cool person that all of you will know who it is. Who 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 low-key attacked me on Twitter. Yeah, it was very subtle, subtle though. And... Subtle? Did you say? Yeah, subtle? I did. I did. I did. I did. Just let okay. me. Just let me. Yeah, this guy writes. Every, ladies and gentlemen, this guy's a writer. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I. 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 When I get to writer on the list of things I do, I've I've already. Okay. So that's fair. <laughs> but let let's get into it. Um, it's spring break for Elijah, so this is about to be a party pod. Yeah, I'm already drunk. Let's talk about the first thing. So, okay. 
I think the biggest news of the week, and that is the loan situation over at Newcastle United. So, as you may know, uh, you may have heard us talk about Elias Sorensen, Jamie Sterry, and Callum Roberts. I think that they've all been mentioned on this podcast. So, all three of them were on loans at their respective clubs, Blackpool for Sorensen, Crew Alexander for Jamie Sterry, and uh, Callum Roberts was at Colchester United. They have all three been recalled by the club in a shocking, but not like literally shocking development. Like everyone knows why they were recalled, but it's still kind of shocking. It's shocking that it happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they, they, the three of them have barely played for their loan club since leaving in January, and they will now be available for the rest of the U23 matches for the remainder of the season. Um, the only one, only player who was actually started a match was Jamie Sterry. He played 90 minutes. Uh, it was against Northampton town in league two, but was never played again. And that was his second match after his loan was announced. There's three sub outings for, uh, Callum Roberts, but just 37 total minutes. And then, uh, Elias Sorensen had the worst case. He played just once for 32 minutes against Wickham. And it was like his second appearance since arriving. And then he failed to appear in any other match and is now even being left off the uh, match day squad. So big concerns here. So I I'll, we'll toss it over to you, Elijah, and you give any updates that you have on that. Yeah, so um, I guess the biggest update, there's a couple updates. The first thing is that um, we kind of know uh, the status of, of Sorensen. That was kind of the big, the big story of the loan deals. Uh, because for someone who completely tore up the U23s league and Premier League 2 and all that stuff, everyone was kind of expecting him to slot into whatever club he was going to and be able to actually make a, make a difference. And um, Black Bull's manager had some, some comments on the, the loan recall, um, and he says there he hasn't had the opportunity he thought he was going to get, and that's down to me, really, speaking about himself. Um, and there's all different types of strikers. With the group of lads we've got, uh, you got to do what you got to do. You can have your big hold-up one. You can have your fox in the box and the ones that just score goals. Elias is a proven goal scorer in the U23s. Um, it's his first loan, but down at Squires Gate, which is Blackpool's training ground, we picked the other lads ahead of him because it's simple. They've done better than him, in my opinion. I'm not saying he did badly in training. He just didn't do enough, which is something that you did bring up, Greg, um, which kind of brings us to our next point. Um, I'll let you comment on this, but you have been very public at the fact that Blackpool wasn't the best destination for Sorensen. It was just a club we had a relationship with. Um, you're pretty open and honest about the fact that Blackpool have already had a set of strikers, or at least one striker who has already been getting the job done for them this season. So if Sorensen were to break into that first team, it would have been huge for a lot of reasons. He would have beat out a, a pretty good striker, and also it would have been good for his mental ability. But you kind of saw this coming in terms of him not getting, you know, a shot at Blackpool. Yeah, no, I, I didn't see it coming per se, but I would say that I'm not I'm less surprised that it that it ended like this. Because and maybe and we'll get into this too, but maybe they should consider me for loan manager. But okay. uh I would say like and I said it when it happened, Blackpool is, is where Longstaff went. So there's there's very I mean last year it happened. So there's definitely a relationship They've loaned in other players since um, and before Longstaff. And that's just, I mean, it's a its a northern club. It's on the other coast, but it's still the north. It's not far away. 
in comparison. So it's an easy loan to, to do. But from the management, you have to look at it from the manager's perspective. You, at since the mid-December, a striker has really taken off. And now he scored 12 goals in the league, which is one of the, it's not the top, but, you know, he's up there. And like you as a manager, you need, you need to keep your job. So you're going to play the informed striker. Nobody's going to bench an informed striker, whether it's alone or not. So, yeah, I mean, Sorensen was put up against it right from the beginning. And Sorensen could have outplayed him in, in training and, and earned some playing time. But, you know, the, the sides are a little a little bit against him in that situation. So um, what what I want to – I guess I'll ask you this is – in your opinion, whose fault do you think this is? I know we've discussed this before, but whose fault do you think it is ultimately? Like, who should we blame? Or is Sorensen just not as good as we think he is? What, what's your thoughts there? I think it's it's interesting because I think for a long time I put a lot of the blame in Blackpool. But, I mean, you've been very adamant that, like, the club, Newcastle, should have kind of been more aware of the situation. And it's a very tricky situation because – we don't know who else wanted Sorensen on loan, right? For, for all we know, Blackpool's the only club um, that wanted to bring in Sorensen on loan. And, you know, they had a previous relationship with Newcastle. So it kind of was the easiest option. But you brought up, you've brought up really good points over the course of talking with you since January, since this happened, that, like, you have to know as Newcastle that of, of like, the, the situation you're sending your loan, your, your loan, your loanees to? I yeah, loanees. Um, it's like you're sending Sorensen into a situation where you've got a striker who's in form, and it's like unless this striker just has an absolute mare two or three matches in a row, like Sorensen's not going to get a shot. So I do think a, a, a big chunk of responsibility does come on the club um, because I think they tried to force this to happen for the sake of like, all right, we know this guy is not necessarily good enough to be playing with our first team, but he's definitely too good to be playing with U23s. And I think, especially since the loans all happened at the end of the window, I think that it's on the club to not have done their due diligence. Like, you know, and Elias Sorensen was good enough to get loaned out since, like, November. So you should have been talking with clubs November, December, January, trying to figure out what's going to be the best fit for him, not waiting until January, the end of January, to figure things out. So I do think it actually is a big responsibility on the club. Yeah. And another thing is, so the manager doesn't want to bench a top striker. They're also in eighth place, and they're three points from a playoff spot for promotion. Yeah, so that's another a lot of reason stuff not to change anything. Um, what what do you say? Hey, there's a lot at stake. Like you don't want to. Yeah. yeah, exactly what you're saying. You don't want to. You don't want to change anything. Yeah, and another thing that Newcastle doesn't uh, fails to realize, and and would have could have been an easy switch here is like Elias Sorensen's Danish. There's plenty of Danish clubs that would have taken him. Yeah. Um. And and he could have played probably in the top division on a loan there. Bottom side, yeah. bottom table team, top division, could have played for something. Or Aaron um, DeVisi you know, is another yeah, option. You don't that we have see a lot to of Danish loan players in take. England. You don't have to yeah. at all. It's, in fact, it happens a lot of places. Yeah, I mean, I mean it happened I, with Newcastle. And that Philadelphia that, hey, Union that, could take him. Yeah, that's true. And that kind of leads us to our next point, which is the academy shakeup. So. There's a big academy shakeup going on um, if you've been living underneath a rock. And we kind of mentioned it Tuesday because we didn't really have a lot of details. But, well, I guess Tuesday's show, um, Tuesday's pod. Um, but as Tuesday and Wednesday unfolded, we kind of saw what that shakeup looked like um, with potentially people leaving the academy and people taking over. But the latest development is that, um, one, Cal Roberts will not be renewed, uh, his contract, which is 
to kind of be expected, um, as Greg and I have talked about on the pod, a ton of of the academy was kind of released last summer and last fall. Um, so there was going to be a shakeup and kind of revitalization of the, the talent in the academy. So it's no surprise that a guy, Cal Roberts, who hasn't been able to break into the first team at his age, um, is going to be released and allowed to to sign with whatever club he wants. And the other big thing, which I think is the most important story, is uh, is Newcastle have put op- an opening out there for a loan manager, which is something that a lot of clubs have, especially clubs you think of as being clubs that loan out a lot of players. We're talking about Real Madrid, Atletico, Liverpool, Chelsea. They have loan managers who their sole job is to figure out what's the best fit for this individual, where, where can we loan him out to, where they're going to get not only the most playing time, but they're going to have um, the best opportunity to develop. And this is a perfect example of like why having a loan manager is important. You don't put it all on you know, Lee Charnley or whoever is handling transfers to do deals with, uh, with clubs for loan fees or whatever, or getting loan prospects out there. It's kind of the responsibility of the loan manager, who his sole job is making sure our loanees are, are playing. Yeah. Your thoughts on that, Greg? Yeah, no, definitely. I, I definitely agree. It's, it's obviously needed. I mean, seeing a fiasco like this happen uh, kind of proves it. Um, the only thing I would say, just moving forward, is listen to me, Newcastle United, because uh, I'm right. And, and to be fair, when Newcastle <laughs> has time, they've looked outside of England. We saw Orlando Aarons. He was in Italy. We yeah, saw. Yeah, but that was uh, that wasn't a good. Those aren't good examples because they're those are just let's get this player off our books somehow. That's fair. I I need I need like professional growth loans. No, that's fair. I was just saying that it's just it was odd to see Newcastle only look through England. It was clearly just like a desperation of like, yeah. all right, who are our contacts in England? Let's. It was a, it was almost the same thing in terms of let's get these guys out of the academy instead of let's get these guys off our books. It was just like, all right, let's just get these guys somewhere where they could potentially play. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and and there's a few other players. I mean, one one player that's actually doing very well in League One is Dan Barlasar from, uh, he's at Accrington Stanley. He's a midfielder, yeah. and he's a Turkish international, but it's been with the club forever, or for a while. He's out of contract, and it doesn't look like we're going to sign him. And he's performing well for Accrington, but I just don't, I, I guess the club just doesn't rate him to grow anymore. So yeah, I mean, there, there's a few examples of this. Check out my loan article at, at the on the first of every month. I give an update on the previous month, so check that out. Yeah, uh, more updates. Check out Greg's work. <laughs> um, yeah. One more thing on the U team. Uh, support the U23s on Friday. They when hopefully you'll be listening to this. Some of you probably listen to this on Saturday, but either way, um, U23s are playing in the final six, the round of sixteen in the Premier League Cup against Reading. It's a one p.m. local kickoff. Uh, do the math if you're not in England. Uh, but yeah, final sixteen cup competition for the U twenty three. So there you go. Next thing, let's talk about Iose Perez. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. do it. Um. So Iose's uh, made made a little bit of news. Um. He sp- he sat down with Marca to talk about just uh basically his life right he's, now. I he's guess. famous right now. Uh, yeah, he's this is his his moment of fame. Um, but, uh, but basically he basically told them, um, that 
he uh, is excited about you know the current form Newcastle in, and that he's actually um, he's two things he's really hoping for a Spanish national team call up. Which by the time this podcast comes out, we should know who's in that Spain squad. I don't really know if this brace would you know put. Pl- 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 uh, not, gosh, can't speak, propel him into Spanish national team. Um, I think you need to be consistent in order to uh, in order to do that. But, I mean, he's that's his hope. His big dream is to get that Spanish national team call up. But his other dream he did allude to is that he eventually wants to ter- return to La Liga, um, which is an interesting thing to hear. Um, you know, and that can mean when he's 30 or that can mean next season. But it's something to keep an eye on, especially since um, he's been linked with some moves away from Newcastle. He's obviously, we know he... he quote, turned down Barcelona, um, and some reports are even saying that he was also a Real Madrid target at one point, um, but lately he's been linked to Everton and Tottenham, so it's just something to keep an eye on um, with Iose Perez's future with the club, um, especially as um, Newcastle are apparently adopting a newish transfer policy that would, you know, you know, make us more of a youthful club, so it could mean that we're sending guys who are 25 years and up out of the club, and that would be Iose, so, I mean... La Liga return possible for Iose. Other than that, um, he's just happy to have attention, I guess. Yeah, uh, he told Marco, he said, his direct quote is, I'm very grateful to Newcastle. I've grown and matured here, but it is obvious that someday I would like to come back and play in La Liga. To this day, I do not know what the future holds. I hope something very good. I believe that I've shown my merit during these five years so that a good opportunity presents itself. Yeah, I don't know if it was obvious. He's like, I know it's obvious. And I'm like, I don't think it was obvious that you <laughs> went to go to La Liga, but okay, dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then speaking of other transfers, uh, Modiame's contract situation is just a mess. I didn't think it was going to be as big of a deal as it is now, but as we've mentioned on this podcast, he wants a two-year extension. The club doesn't want to do that, which makes sense um, for a lot of reasons. One, he's on the north side of 30, um, and two... He's not an amazing player. He's a key player, but he's not, you know, like Greg has said, I don't think he would be a Premier League starter in yeah. a lot of other clubs, um, which is no disrespect to him. It's just the truth. Um, he's been linked with uh, a move to Galatasaray um, on a free transfer, which means that Galatasaray are uh, actually not impressed with their defensive midfielder they got. And Dai, it was a guy from Stoke that we were linked to, actually, in last summer. But... um. But they're not impressed with him, and they want a, a different holding midfielder. Um, and Modiame seems like the guy they want. And uh, right now, what makes the most logical sense is Galatasaray thinks that Modiame is going to not have a contract this summer and be able to sign him for free. Um, if I'm Newcastle, I start him for three more games at some point in the season and sell him to Galatasaray for even if it's like 1.5 million pounds or 5 million pounds, just sell him so that you make money yeah. and don't let a guy walk away for free. Uh, it's pretty much common sense, uh, but, you know, we'll see. Um, and as we noted, it, he has to make three more starts, not appearances, yeah, for Newcastle in order to auto-trigger his year-long <clears throat> extension, which would mean that someone would have to buy him from Newcastle. Yep. So that's just something to keep an eye on. Um, who knows what actually happens. Um, and then other <clears throat> yeah, Do you have so, anything to say about Mo? Um, no. I mean, you, you pretty much covered it. Uh, uh, everything that I complete agreeance. So we'll move to the next thing. So uh, we are, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pause at when I get to his name because okay. you are the German speaking expert in, on this podcast. Yeah. So uh, Newcastle 
are linked. And we're going to combine this with the transfer policy because I think this yeah. has to do with it. But It makes sense. We're linked to a left back. Well, full back, we'll say, because he can play both sides in uh-huh. Germany. He's from Hamburg, currently plays for Hamburg, and his name is? Uh, Joshua Wagnermann. Yes. Uh, Joshua Wagnermann. I don't want to be that guy, Greg, but it's Hamburg. Oh, yeah, but, you know, I had to Americanize it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, 7 million euros, I think, was the number. 17 years old. Yeah, um, so his his transfer market value, I know it's very, you know, it's it's never exact, but it's 855000 Yeah. That, that will, and that was updated, oh, wow, that was updated yesterday. So, actually, interesting. But they're in the second tier of Germany. Yeah, and they were just relegated, to be fair. Yeah. They were in the first tier, but they were relegated to Bundesliga Zwei. Yeah, and he's been he's been my my one concern with this, and we'll get in. I mean, he's he's supposed to be coming back this weekend from a from a, a ligament injury in his knee, and then he has been he was in the U seventeens, U eighteens, U nineteens. So I'd be interested to see how he, but but never more than three appearances on each German national team side. So I'd like to see a little bit of growth there. But um, let's talk about why we would be interested in a player like this. Um, well, one, he's 17. Um, he feels that that's the big thing. He's young. Yep. Um, and let the record show, uh, Hamburg's manager was questioned about this, and he has no intentions of selling him right now. But um, at the end of the day, uh, he's not he's not consistently starting for Hamburg, which is not a huge deal um, because they have depth at, and on their back line. So it's not that big of a deal, in my opinion, at, at this moment, especially since he's 17. Um, but it's also just like if a, it, there's four Premier League clubs who've been interested in him since last May. Uh, Newcastle, Arsenal, Everton, and Chelsea. And now Fulham have joined the race. So it's like I think that the board is going to overrule the manager's opinions here because if you're, go- if you're especially if you're trying to get back into the top tier of any, um, of any league, you're gonna, you need to make as much money as you can. Um, but yeah, the new transfer policy of buying younger players is pretty evident here as Newcastle make it approach uh, for a 17-year-old left back who could be a decent player. Um, and German players who are young, um, you know, there's some players who like Kai Havertz is a good example who really wasn't playing that much for Leverkusen and now he is 19 years old and is their starting camp. And probably in two years, probably at the end of next season, is going to get sold for like. 34 million pounds. So uh, yeah, and this yeah. this transfer policy kind of concerns me a bit because this was Ashley's transfer policy before, and it was a big issue for Rafa initially, and mm-hmm. it was the transfer policy that got us relegated. Um, but you'd have to you'd have to like it would just have to come down to are we targeting the players Ashley want? I mean that Rafa wants, and if if yeah. we're doing that and we can stay within the transfer policy and everybody's happy, then I'm fine with it. And if not, then it's a Bullshit yeah, transfer it, policy. And that's my thing is that if, what Rafa if, wants. <laughs> yeah, if you're bringing in players that are young that Rafa wants, then you can be like Porto, where you're bringing in, you're consistently, yes. contur- you're churning out, or young, you're, you're buying young players, or Ajax. Um, and I think that's the goal. And I think Ashley sees that. I think and with it's cost Ashley. Effective. Yeah, I think with Ashley, the issue is going to be all right, well, when we need to fill out our first team, are you going to be able to put the money to buy a somewhat proven 22-year-old talent in this kind of inflated youth market where it's like, are you going to have to shell out like 
15, 16, 17, upwards of 20 million pounds for a holding midfielder that's 22, 23 years old um, with the hope that maybe in two, three years you can flip him for even more. But it, that's I think that's what's going to be the true test of this transfer policy because it existed before, but the main issue is that Mike Ashley would be incredibly cheap. Um, and so it's like you want young players, but you also don't want to spend money on the best young players. So you're just getting mediocre young players. And that's what is the concerning thing. Um, I think that if they're able to actually scout out decent players, and it's good that we're linked to players who other big clubs who are good at buying younger players, the likes of Chelsea, Arsenal, or Everton, um, it's good that we're linked to the same kind of guys they're linked to. That's that's at least a bit promising, but you know that would be my concern with it. Is just like when it comes time to spend money, are we going to spend money? And like the Joel Linton rumors, as great as those sound, that's like a good indicator of like how this transfer, how this new ish, I guess transfer policy compare transfer policy compares to uh to years past, where it's like at least it looks like Newcastle are going to be willing to spend money on younger talents that they actually believe are going to be worth a ton more in the future. Yeah. All right, oh, so. and this is one more thing about that, um, and this was kind of brought up. It was kind of just a, a kind of a non-story, not a non-story, but something to think about is with this new transfer policy. I don't think that, uh, and I think the Chronicle put something out on this as well. I don't think that Solomon Rondon is going to be a permanent uh, addition to Newcastle uh, this summer, even though everyone's saying make it happen. Um, it's just he's 28, um, and I mean, I just I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, if if Asher's going to stick to this current transfer policy, and if it doesn't happen, I at least want us to, like you say, go out and get a Joel Linton or go out and get a younger striker, like a not a Luka Jovic. I don't think that we'll be in that race, but someone young, that's fine. If 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 we don't get Salman Ronda and we bring in a young Brazilian striker who's going to be good, I'm not going to be mad. Yeah, uh, if there's always the if we have to do yeah. that. All right, so let's get into this weekend. So we will look at our match against Burnmouth, the Fighting Cherries, as I'm going to call them. Um, it is this Saturday, 8 a.m. Pacific time. Okay, that was helpful for literally <laughs> no one. That was just like not at all helpful. Yeah, you know, you get to enjoy your 11 a.m. kickoff. I'll enjoy my eight. I won't. That it's tough, but I we do it for the tune. Um, yeah. So I wanted to look at the Premier League table before we get started because this is this is significant. Newcastle sits in 13th, three points away from 12th and 11th. Mm. And guess who's three points ahead of us? The Burnmouth Fighting I, Cherries. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yes, I pointed this out. You did. Uh, I did. You did. <laughs> yep. So we. This is this is. Potentially, we can't, and we said you know, we can't pass Everton because they have us unless we beat Bournemouth by uh, nine goals. Yeah, we'd have to like like Bournemouth <laughs> needs like three people sent off, and we yeah. need people to like we need Newcastle <laughs> strikers to score. So it's like you're asking a lot, yeah, uh, of Newcastle. But um, but yeah, yeah I mean a, we could we chance. could leapfrog Bournemouth with a win. That's the big thing. Yeah, and it could put us as much as. Um, nine points clear of relegation. Yeah, and then one more win to quote secure safety. Yep. Um, so yep, it's a big match. Yeah, for sure. So let's get into 
our lineup predictions here. So I'll go like we normally do. I'll go over some of the injuries, things like that. And then uh, if you can go ahead and tell us what you think is going to happen. So on the fight and cherry side, um, Callum Wilson and Dominic Solanke. Solanke? Solanke? Solanke. Solanke. Um, Dominic Solanke both recovered from injury. Um, so they'll be ready to go. Uh, a couple people I've looked at said that it's probably going to be the same exact starting lineup as last week. Mm-hmm. So uh, Nathaniel Klein and Dan Gosling, flash from the past, will be pushing the start at right back and central midfield. So that is happening there. On Newcastle side, LaSalle was replaced at halftime. Um, in our last match, but he has been pictured in training. I guess saying that the knee injury isn't as bad as what they first thought. And then, um, obviously, Sean Longstaff is out, so there will be that pick between Modiame, Key, and Shelby, and Hayden. So, Elijah, take it away. Yeah, um, I would also say Bournemouth have lost Junior Stanislas, Lewis Cook, and Simon Francis. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, know, they're, they're, oh yeah, I guess I should have mentioned them. Yeah, they're all out. Steve Cook, Steve Lewis Cook. Cook. Yeah. Simon Francis. But not related, Francis. apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I've heard. <laughs> um, but so, so there's been a, it's been a hot topic uh, of, and it, and rightfully so, what should Newcastle run this weekend? Two in the, uh, not two in the back. That would be dreadful. Um, <laughs> three in the back or four in the back. Uh and uh, I honestly don't have an answer. Um, like, uh, I mean, I think that regardless, mm, I don't even want to say regardless. I think if if in my in my ideal world, I would put out a starting lineup that would lean towards being able to go from three in the back to four in the back um, with ease. And that means putting out the lineup we saw to finish the match, which included, well, not to finish the match, but towards the end of the match, um, which included uh, Paul Dummett, uh, Fabian Cher, uh, Florian Lejeune, uh, Matt Ritchie, DeAndre Yevlin, John Joe Shelby, Isaac Hayden, Miguel Almiron, uh, Ayose Perez, and uh, and Solomon Rondon. Um, that way you can kind of switch up tactics when needed. You have players who are able to um, play uh either in the back five or back three, and as well as the back four um, with ease. Um, that's what I would do. But uh, I think my gut is telling me that we're going to go back three with LaSalle's share and Lejeune um, with the ability to bring on Paul Dummett and change to a back four. Um, just because uh, Rafa, he's done it before this season, but usually he has trouble sitting Shelby as our captain, even if he doesn't have the best match. And I think that's going to happen again. I think he always believes Shelby's going to bounce back and have a good match whenever he's out again. So I think that we're going to go with the back three again. Um, and it shouldn't be that big of an issue against Bournemouth. Um, I think I would rather see, this is a good team to test out whether or not the back forward work again. Um, but I don't know. It, I, I don't know if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I guess, but that applies to both formations. So, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting one, too. But, I mean, you kind of like to go back to that default, um, like what we did last match, being able to make that transition in the middle of the match, because that changed the match entirely for us. Um, yeah. So being able to 
maybe starting with the three at the back, but knowing that you can move to four and completely just make a very direct approach and change the game completely that way, that might be the new thing. Because that's two matches in a row we've gone straight back to the 4-2-3-1 at the hour mark. And the best teams in the league are able to do this. Like yeah. If you look at the lineups Man City put out, it's like they put out one of their center backs is usually a non-traditional center back in the sense that like they can either play as a fullback, like Kyle Walker is a perfect example of this. They can either play as a fullback or they can play in the back three, and they're able to change from either you know 3-4-3 to a 4-3-3 um, on a turn of a dime. So yeah. I think that, I mean, my gut says we're going to stick with the LaSalle's Lejeune share thing. But I would not be shocked to see a Dummett uh, pairing. I don't know who gets dropped. I, I don't know if Lascelles gets dropped. Um, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a, a, a like a Dummett uh, Lejeune uh, Lascelles back three slash four in the back. Anyway, no, great. Um, for on the Fighting Cherry side, uh, players to look out for: uh, Josh King, Callum Wilson, Ryan Frazier. That's yeah. Mine. That's yeah, that, I mean, I would also add Jefferson Lerma into yeah, that. Yeah, uh, I was you know, thinking about he's, that. <laughs> he's more of a he's not he's not the guy that scores a lot of goals for them, but if he has a good match and he really dominates the midfield, he could be an issue. So the um, reason so. why I think uh, the reason why I think Lerma is not going to factor is because I think Almiron torches him. Yeah, I, that's I, fair. I think I think Almiron absolutely like owns him. Yeah, it's, it should be interesting to see how. Uh, how Burn, uh, not Burnley, Bournemouth's back line deals with Amaron. Uh, Chris Mephem, who's been starting along Nathan Ake um, at center back, has had uh, just pretty much three or four matches in a row where he's not been the best rated in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, like ratings, player ratings throughout the match. He's been constantly hovering around that uh, 6.3 and below. Um, according to Fat Mob, and then I checked who scored as well. Not really great, um, so he hasn't been been great. So it should be interesting to see how he's going to be able to deal with the likes of Miguel. Um, and then additionally, looking at you know Iose Perez and, and Solomon Rondon, who have certainly benefited from the, all the attention Miguel draws. I think you know if if any of the center backs are going to have to pick up Miguel, it's going to be Nathan Ake, who's the more athletic and better defender, um, who's able to play out left or play wherever. Um, he's going to be the one that's going to be, you know, picking up Miguel's runs, and that's going to leave uh, our boy Chris. I think that's his name, his first name. I don't remember. Um, pretty exposed and going to be have to deal kind of one on one with either uh, Rondon or Iose. So that's something to look out for as well. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So now getting into, um, we kind of get into style play there. So like looking at some of the stats, I have some interesting things. Do you have anything? Um, not right now. I can, maybe, I might say, I might have something, but I think that we have the same stats, so. Yeah, we'll just... so, last three away matches for Newcastle, there's been under three goals um, mm-hmm. in each match, and Newcastle haven't won in their last six away matches now, Um, and Burnmouth just picked up their first away win in in the league since October, last weekend. Just interesting stat. I know they're. It was against Huddersfield, though. Yeah, but uh, still, so it's a long way to go. Count. Yeah. Um, and then I go to five thirty-eight. So five thirty-eight predicts each match and has projections for the rest of the season. So for this one, Newcastle United, according to five thirty-eight, 
has a 28% chance to win, a 27% chance to draw, and a 45% chance to lose. Interesting. Yeah. Remember, they uh, 538 predicted that we would beat Everton. They were correct. Hopefully, they're wrong. That's true. One. They've also been wrong about, like, they were really wrong about the Man City match. Remember that? We had like a, <laughs> yeah, like a 3% I think, yeah, chance three, to win. I think it was three. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so, yeah. Stats don't solve everything. So, you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any? Oh, okay. Um, Iose Perez has netted six Premier League goals this season. <laughs> um, they've all been at St. James Park. He's the highest goal scorer in a division this season that's never scored away from home. Um, Newcastle have picked up only two points from their last 18 away from home. Um, only against Swansea has Solomon Rondon scored more Premier League goals than he has against Bournemouth. He scored three against Bournemouth, four against Swansea. So... He's a guy who, if you're a betting man, I would bet, you know, put down a five-pound bet that Rondon's uh, able to score. Oh, um, and I can't believe just, we forgot to do this. Speaking of Rondon scoring, let's talk about the last match. Okay. Rondon well, had... did that on Monday. Huh? We talked about the last match Monday. No, um, the last match against Burnmouth. Okay. Um, Rondon had like the most bullet of bulletist headers ever against Burnmouth That's in true. their first match. And he had a day, so did Perez, so did Cher. That was our top three players. Um, but that bullet header was Rondon absolutely murdering that ball. <laughs> I, oh, that was the one where everyone's like classic Alan Shearer. Yeah. Is that, yeah. The, the, that goal? Where yeah, the ball the like goal. left his head at like 110 miles an hour. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was that was that that was home against Burnmouth. Um, Rondon had eight shots on goal in that match. Interesting. Yeah, Rondon tore it up. Yeah, um, but I have a couple more stats for yeah, you. Yeah, go ahead. I just had to. I'm at least killing that it with we the stats it. today. At least we mentioned it. Yeah, basically, last meeting we were really good. Um, one, two, Bournemouth one. have won. Bournemouth have won none of their their Premier League meetings with Newcastle in the past few seasons. They lost in 2015, and they drew last season. Um, and then uh, Newcastle's only league away league defeat away at Bournemouth came against the second. It came in the second tier in September of 1989 with Mickey Quinn scoring in a one-two defeat. Mick. So historically, this actually should be a game or a match that Newcastle should win. Yeah. Like if you look at like historically how well we've done at Bournemouth, we should win this match. And I just also want to bring up Bournemouth. They did win against Huddersfield, but it would be insane to not uh, to not recognize that Newcastle are in the better form um, in terms of. I mean, you had the the hiccup against West Ham, but uh, Bournemouth literally have lost, drawn, lost, lost, and they beat Huddersfield, which, as we've mentioned, is not that impressive. So. Um, in terms of like confidence and, and form, you have a team that like Newcastle is pretty confident at the moment and I think should get the job done. Um, and you have Bournemouth who um, they you know are probably not back to complete confidence uh, after they literally have lost twice in a row by more than two goals. Um, so I don't know. We'll just uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, which or what's next? Predictions? Yeah, let's get into it. Um, okay. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to? Uh, I'll go first. I'm saying a 2-0 win for Newcastle. Whoa! Uh, yeah. Um, I think I think our back line has been unreal. Um, and I think that 
the only mistakes they've made have been on set pieces, which that's true, um, especially recently. And I think a lot of the goals we've given away um, fairly recently have been not as a result of our our shape as a defense, but rather individual mistakes and isolated incidents by players. And I think that this is the match where the back line kind of re-figures themselves out and recognizes that, like, this, like we could have beaten Everton 3 nothing if it weren't for mistakes from individuals in the back line and isolated incidents. Um, maybe 3-1. I think the, the second goal they got, the Richarlison goal, was a bit like unfair in terms of like judging the back line. But, but yeah, the first goal definitely was at the fault of a lot of people in the back line. And I think they're going to try to make a statement with an away clean sheet. Wow, that would be so impressive. Um, I'm not as optimistic as you, but not brutal. So there's a lot of things that Burmit does well, and a lot of their strengths are ours as far as like counterattacking goes. They're really good at that too. But uh, they're also very good at attacking set pieces, and that concerns me for this match. Okay. Um, well, if we don't start flooring Lejeune, then it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, so my prediction is actually a 2-2 draw. Um, we, we haven't been playing well on the road. Burmouth picked up a big win. We just got like just lifeless at West Ham. I, I just I can see I can see this be a frustrating one, but I think we're in the point here where we're we're willing to fight. I think we learned a lot from Everton, so I do see goals coming. Um, I'm just going with a two-two draw here. Okay, um, and then we've asked this since Miguel's debuted. <laughs> Do you think Miguel Amaron scores or assists this match? Uh, cool. I, I mean, I, every time I want to say yes. So Here's my thing. I think I, I was leaning towards him getting an assist before he gets a goal. But I do think now it seems like he's going to, he's he's shooting a little bit more. Um, so I actually think that it – I don't know if he'll score tomorrow, but I'm actually leaning towards I think he'll get a uh, – a goal before he gets an assist now. And I was okay. the exact opposite two weeks ago. So um, that's just an interesting development. I don't know. <laughs> I think Rondon scores for sure, and I think Iose scores. Those are my two goal scorers. Iose is going to score his first away goal? Saturday. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. I think dude, a confident Iose is scary. Warren Barton said it himself. Uh, when you get a guy like that with confidence, uh, he can do well. And, you know, I would love – confident Iose right now. He's what got us that insane win streak last season and got us up into 10th. Hey, do it again. Why not? Prove your worth. You want to go to La Liga? This is this is how you get to La Liga. You show up when it matters most. Yeah. All right. So let's get into our questions. Sponsored by the Fubo TV. Um, Fubo TV, have you ever heard of it? Uh, I have. It's a place. It's a place. It's a place on earth. Yeah. Um, so if you're not in the U.S. or Canada, I'm sorry. But maybe one day you can get into the greatness that is Fubo TV. But Fubo TV is an over the top internet television service that focuses primarily on channels that distri- distribute live sports, including NFL, MLB, baseball season's about to start, NBA playoffs, MLS season just started, and soccer around the world. Plus news, network TV series, and more movies. You can even watch Live PD, which I mentioned last week, one of my top shows of all time. Um, so enjoy it. Click the link on cominghomenewcastle.com when we post our podcast. 
sign up. You can get a free trial. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into some questions that we have from you wonderful listeners. The first one's from at Mile High Magpies. What up? Great hosts of the Toon Army America meetup. Except- yeah, eventually the article about that is going to come out. Brian, if you're listening, which Brian's probably not listening. Let's be real. Yeah. Brian, get the article published. Come on. I see it in the drafts. Just just get it done. Come on, dog. Come on. You got one job. Yeah. Um, uh, Toon Army Denver did not ask a question, though, but they said... <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they actually did. I'm looking at them like they didn't actually ask a question. No. But okay. They just said, talking about Burnmouth, they said, beat them last time with the squad below. Start Almiron, Key, and Hayden. Sub Shelby on in the 60th. Keep Kennedy and Diame as subs for later. I think we could see a league double. Love it. I disagree with this wholeheartedly. Whoa. Why? You don't disagree Because I that... don't think you should start Key. Oh. That's fine. I mean, Key could be great. Key could be Key. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to say something. And you mentioned this. I John Joe Shelby. I like angry John Joe with the freaking man on the mission. Oh, yeah. I, let, yeah. Let's have more of that. Give me I, that. I don't... Yeah, give me that. I'm sure that he probably he probably turned up in training too. Like, yeah, come on, give me give me John Joe starting alongside. I don't care who he starts alongside. John Joe's probably like like. Have you ever seen um, Euro Trip? No. Uh, the movie. No. So I I'm so 21. There's a scene with Tom Green sitting in um in his room in his dorm room and he's looking at a an aquarium tank with a snake in it. And he puts oh. a puts a rat in there for the snake to eat it. That'd be a terrarium, by the way. But that's that's fine. Everyone knows what I mean, though. <laughs> okay. Um, and he's just st- sitting as close to the terrarium as possible, and he's just like begging the snake to eat the the little mice. And he just goes, "Unleash the fury! Unleash the fury!" And he just gets louder and louder. And it's like an iconic scene. And they play it at a lot of sporting events and stuff. Um, and that's how I, like, view Chancho Shelby, like, sitting in the locker room before every match. Mm. Just unleash the fury. Just saying yeah. it to himself, I, and it just I makes just, me laugh. I just, I whisper, I picture Chancho Shelby for every match talking in that snake language from Harry Potter because he's Voldemort. Ooh. Yeah, he's probably just wish like, he definitely is, like, if there's any guy on the team you would think talks to snakes or is in a cult it's john joe shelby interesting i'm i'm in probably any guy in the premier league. if if you were to pick one premier league player that's in a cult i would think you would pick john joe shelby yeah yeah that had nothing to do with anything <laughs> i just wanted to make that known that i think john joe shelby's in a cult all right next question one lost muffin what it do my boise idahan Ida. we will not reveal your real name on this podcast ida 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 Idahoan? 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 Um, yeah. He said, why do I have a bad feeling about this? <laughs> Wait, Greg, you're the Hodenite? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. man, we're, we're um, All right. Why do I have a bad feeling about this game? It seems like whenever we win, the team relaxes and can't seem to win easy games. Am I crazy? And I mean about the losing easy gains part, not normal crazy. I okay. I already know about that. Okay. Okay. Um, Fair. So we kind I I kind of alluded to this, like we dropped the ball at West Ham on the road, 
picked up a good win streak, went on the road to West Ham, blew it. Um, so he's kind of seeing that same thing happen here. Uh, do you want to take this one? I would say this is my, my thing. You're looking at, yes, these are mid-table sides, but I don't think going away to a mid-table team, especially if they're ahead of us in the table, is an easy win. So I just I don't agree with that aspect of it. Like I don't think Bournemouth is going to be an easy win. For, like I think that like if Newcastle plays to their max potential, then yes, this game looks like an easy win. But on the surface level, if you compare the sides, they're pretty evenly matched on paper. And there's a reason Bournemouth's in 12th and we're in 13th. Like I don't think this is an easy win. So for that reason, I think Newcastle is going to show up um, because I think for the most part, Newcastle's showed up against the mid-table sides. Um, there's been some disappointments in terms of easy wins um, this season, but like that kind of came in the string of losses uh, or draws or something like that. Like I don't know. I just don't think this is an easy win, so I don't know if that principle really applies here. And that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's just go with the fact that, yeah, we should all be concerned. But every match, and that, yeah, and that's true. Just just saying that, like I, like I say that in the way that I wish the players were. Like I want the players to be like feeling that uneasiness every time they step on the pitch, and like a desperation type of feeling because I think that's yeah. the best way to perform at the highest level. Bam. Next question. Rawson in America, actually, and this is a sad day because the official questionnaire of CHN Radio. Trevor Mooney did not submit a question. Well, so probably because he's racist. <laughs> Ouch. That's I, not true at all. I do that's know just... he's he's sick. Okay. Um, that, that's he, fair. He posted something about like being sick and stuff. But um so the last question is from a, a legend. There's two questions. Yeah. Oh yeah. Last person, two questions. At Rawson in America. Matt Rawson, what's up, man? He said, Burnmouth are a leaky ship these days with just four points from the last six games and a goal differential of minus eight from those matches. Newcastle, on the other hand, is 10 points from six and a plus two goal difference. So does Miggy get his first goal and will be finished this weekend sitting 12th? And we will be finished and we will and will be finished. the Yes. Being in 12th place in the table. <laughs> Will Almiron get a goal? I mean, if you're betting money, then don't listen to us. Yeah, actually, I do. Yeah, we're not. Betters, but so yes, Almiron will score and and be and will be in twelve. But okay, I mean, based on my prediction, I I mean, I can't really say that because I said they would draw. But I mean, yeah, I mean, how amazing would that be? I don't think Almiron's going to score. You know, you know what would be and, funny is like everybody's waiting for that moment, right? And and not not to take – I know you fighting cherries out there. Like it's a really cool story that they've been in the Premier League for this long and how they got here. But like imagine like it's still going to be a really cool moment. But say Almiron like worked, busted his butt all these years, gets up to the Premier League, and his first goal is at Burnmouth, which is like smaller than any MLS stadium. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually really funny. Yeah, it's just like it's not, not even at St. Like... James. It's it's not the Etihad. It's not a, it's not at Anfield. It's, it's a freaking what is their stadium called? It's um, jeez, uh, uh, it starts with a. Uh, 
Hold on, I'm looking it up. We're going to live Google this. Um, oh, I bet I'll beat you to it. Dean Court. Dean, oh. That doesn't even sound like a stadium name. Oh, Vitality Stadium. Vitality, that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, oh, man, that is just... <laughs> could you imagine, like, all the hype? Like, he's wanted this his entire life, and he just yeah. gets Yeah, 11,000 capacity. <laughs> 11,000 capacity. That's like... That's like the like there is actually like FC Cincinnati who is in the second division of uh of uh of American soccer no. until this past season. Oh, okay. They they were in the second division. Yeah. Not I that should I should have rephrased that. I should have let you finish. They they were averaging 20,000. Yeah. a match last season <laughs> in the second division. Uh, and and by the way, second division soccer in America is not like the championship in England where like, you know, it's kind of a big deal it's like not a lot of people even know the usl exists in america so just want to point that out there that a second division team not even the best team in the second division was averaging twenty thousand, and Bournemouth's capacity is eleven thousand. Yeah. so there you have that but uh but yeah to answer one lost muffin no, not there's one actually muffin, not Ross a club in the mls that has an average attendance less than fourteen thousand. Which is insane, considering yeah. that there are some clubs in terrible markets. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I don't think Mickey gets his first goal. I do think we finish sitting 12th. Um, I just I don't know. I just feel like one day I'm gonna know when it's right for Mickey to get his first goal, and it's it's gonna be the right match. Like I don't know what it is, and I feel like it's gonna be a non-important goal. Like it's gonna be like the third goal in a in a match that was two nil, and it's like gonna be an 88th minute. I think it's gonna be like not impressive. Nah, I, I think I said this the first time. I think his first goal is going to come in like the first ten minutes of the match, and it's just gonna, and everyone's just gonna go nuts. That's fair. That'd be um, cool because he scored. He did a lot of that at Atlanta. Like he a, did, like immediate attacking, like right off the bat, get on the board. But that's and, a testament know. more to how how Atlanta played yeah. as well, though. Um, know, they really press teams, and that'd be cool. But anyway, what's the second question? Second question is: Should Shelby start? If he does, will he lose his head and get a silly red card? My, my thing on this, so we kind of answered, should he start? I think we're both saying yes. Or we both think yes. Yeah. Um, so either, either way, well, actually, let's, I don't know. I'd be Can happy with something? either Shelby or Key starting. But I would like to see Shelby come. Shelby coming in on sub was pretty dangerous last week. That's true. I want Shelby to start. And can we can we talk about something real quick? This narrative of Shelby being a dirty player just needs to end. It just does. Well, like it's just—I don't think it's a dirty player. It's hot-headed. I think that's the okay. best answer for him. And okay. he lost well, his head a end. little bit against Everton too. Got a yellow. Okay, for it. and he got a yellow, and so did Fabian Share. Fabian Share leads the team in yellow cards. Matt Ritchie's second, and no one ever talks about. Oh, they're hot-headed. Like literally, like maybe with Matt Ritchie, yes. Um, but with Fabian Share, no one ever talks about. It. He leads the team in yellow cards. Yeah, but he, um, before but last match, also miss a few months of the season. Okay, it, huh? Like Shelby did. He also didn't play the first two months of the season. So I'm okay. pretty sure you can kind of – it kind of bounces out. Secondly, um, I'm just going to point out this, that um, before last match's uh, yellow card, uh, John Joe Shelby uh, had not gotten a yellow card since January 2018 of last season. And last season alone, he had four total yellows. Um, and he had two reds, one of which was undeserved in the Tottenham match, and the second was the second yellow. So I just want to point out that 
he's not as hot-headed anymore as people may seem. And I do think that part of it's just, I mean, and it's unfortunate for him, and he brought it upon himself, so I don't feel too bad for him. But he also just has a bad rep with referees, and he's just more susceptible to get yellows and reds and such for things that other players would not get yellows or reds for. Yeah. Um, and I think a perfect example of that is, like, like Jordan Pickford's not known as a hot-headed player, but he clearly fouled Solomon Rondon last, last match. And, like, every single person I've showed that the match highlights to – it was shocked that that wasn't at a minimum a yellow. And so, like, if you if you think that, you know, referee biases are coming to play, then I'm sorry, you're wrong. But I, I don't envision John Joe shoving a red, especially because he thinks the world's out against him and he thinks that everyone wants him sold. So he's going to be on his best behavior and, you know, try to pretty much silence any sort of hate from anyone. So, yeah, I, I just don't see him getting a red. Um, yeah, so I, I just did a little research while you're talking there, and you're kind of right. So, well, you I am, are right. I am right. Um, this I, is, I'm like, at a site that has the yellow cards. to the We Are Right podcast. Um, 12 appearances this year in the league for John Joe. Uh, one yellow card, and that was, that was last week. And he has 13 yep. total fouls on the season, so about one a match, um, which isn't yeah. outrageous. It's a little high. It's higher than you want for a D-mid. Well, it's about what... I would say it, it kind of makes sense for a D mid. Yeah. So especially because especially when you in... consider that a lot of times D mids are the guys fouling to stop counterattacks. Yeah. So All right. I don't know. I'm just really tired of like someone made a joke about the England midfield this to this match and I was, and about how grimy or whatever they are and I was and like then they were like, Oh mate, if they had added John Joe Shelby in there, then you're talking about a midfield that's just like already down a man once the match starts. I'm like I get it. He was he was a dirty, hot headed player or whatever. But like, people change. <laughs> yes, they do. You got anything else? No. Um. All right, hey, guys. Check out the site. That's it. We got some big stuff coming up soon for you guys. Yes, we really do. excited about this uh this next wave of content and this uh season's almost over. Yeah. Our first season of CHN Radio. Next episode, this Bournemouth review is going to be the fiftieth episode. That we've done, um, not crap. including all the interviews and stuff we've done extra. That's crazy. Um, 50 episodes in. So yeah, just gonna, shout out to everyone who's listening. We're going to make it a special spectacular for you. <laughs> we should do something. Yeah. We should just get tattoos. All right. <laughs> or, or not. Well, you don't have to do that, actually. Yeah. We'll Whatever. think of something for the we're 50th. Do something. We'll do something cool. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. You mean the world to us. Uh, that concludes episode 49 of CHN Radio. Let's get three points. Uh, like, share, subscribe to the podcast. Rate us five stars. It's really a big deal for us. Please, please, please help us out with that. It does not take a lot of time to do. Um, tweet at us. Email us. If you have any feedback, positive or negative, shoot us an email at chnradionufc at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and one of us will reply back to you. Probably Greg. Probably me, though. Um, we have some big things coming up, like you said, so stay tuned for that. We hope you stay with us. Keep writing questions. Keep commenting on our stuff. We love you. And away the lads.
dance from factory and up to the drop in a deer. Just can them do for the railway bridge, the bus will flow off there. The lasses lost the crinolines and the bales that hide their faces. I got two black eyes and a broken nose and gammons a blade and razors. Oh, no. 